On this episode of Expand with Jenna Brown, I actually go deep into the sister wound. What is the sister wound? What has my experience been with the sister wound? How do we heal it? The two main things that we do to heal it. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Expand with Jenna Brown. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Thank you for subscribing, for commenting, leaving reviews. It means so much to me. Um, This podcast specifically is this one today is all about the sister wound and my experience with the sister wound. And, and genuinely I am doing this one because I want to share about it, but two also because a, somebody wrote in and said that they would love for me to do a podcast on the sister wound. So feel, please feel free to always do that. I love to, to answer like and respond because I'm a, a manifesting generator. So I'm meant to respond. So that means a lot to me. So the sister wound, what is it? (laughs) To put it bluntly, we all as women carry the sister wound to some extent. Um, And again, we all might have done work on it and might be healing it, but we all at some point carried the sister wound to some extent. Why is because actually um, the the competition that women experience, right? The like the comparison, which really is just competition, right, is actually rooted in this very, very, very old root of sister protection. So if you actually think back to where we came from, those of us who are more intuitive, we would call witches, those of us who are more um, sensitive, highly sensitive beings, most likely we have a past life where we were burned at the stake or a sister of ours was burned at the stake. So what happens with the sister wound is there's this origin part of it that we all carry in our DNA and are actually right now um, called to release. And the call to release might be really uncomfortable slash is usually really uncomfortable because we as women, as sisters have been so um, pushed against each other and, and so pushed towards this version of womanhood that is not correct, right? Like women, sisters actually know intuitively that we're meant to do life together. That is why women are miserable when, (laughs) when we continue to try to do all things on our own. Um, the whole old saying of like, it takes a village is actually real because we are not meant to be all things to all people. We are meant to be who we are and contribute to a community, um, and do it together. We've gotten so far away from this. And one of those core things, right. I remember blew my mind when one of my coaches taught me, this was there's this DNA pattern that we hold in our bodies that says, if you stand up and speak your truth, so woman online, if you stand up and speak your truth, I'm triggered by that. Not necessarily always because I mean, not even saying this is actually true for me anymore, but at one point it was. I'm triggered by it, not necessarily because of what I consciously think, but because subconsciously my soul says, sister, you cannot shine bright because if you shine bright, you're going to get killed. So what most people think is rooted in disgust or hatred or competition is actually rooted in sisterhood protection. So I just want you to take a moment and sit with that and see how that feels in your body. Next, I want you to imagine or think about where are you at in your relationship with sisterhood? When I say sisterhood, I don't mean like friends, acquaintances. I mean, 
like sisters, like women that you're like, these women are my people. They're my soul tribe. I know they're my soul tribe. Where are you at with that? Are you in a place of longing and desiring and manifesting that? Are you in a place of being so grateful that you do have that? Are you in a space where you're trying to create and cultivate that? For me personally, I would say I'm, I'm in that third space of creation and cultivation, probably more cultivation of the sisterhood. So many of you know parts of my story, but um, I started a nonprofit eight and a half years ago based off of this core idea, actually, <laughs> that I'm talking about. Of, I mean, I didn't know all of this root stuff. And plus I thought witches were the devil. So um, I would have never said that, but I, it was the same core heart's desire to do life together. I genuinely believe that my, one of my soul threads, like my soul mission is to do life in a way that has never been seen before, but ultimately harmonizing with other people's gifts and abilities, specifically with women. So for me, I started this nonprofit eight and a half years ago, and it was built is for mothers. It was for community. And it was built off of this idea of new motherhood is really can be really lonely. Uh, for me, I was the first of like my friend group to have children. And, uh, I also had teenagers at the time because we were guardians of my husband's two teenage brothers. So I had two teenage boys and then I had a, a baby boy and I had gone through extensive birth trauma. And I started this nonprofit based off of this, my story of desiring support and community. And it, it was such a beautiful experience to experience women coming around that concept and that idea. So even where I was at consciously is so, so, so different, but still so many women connected with that idea and that heart of like, we're meant to do this together. Let's do this together. Fast forward a couple of years into that nonprofit experience. And I had probably one of the deepest pains I have ever experienced when it comes to the sister wound. I don't know how much I want to go into it on here, but I'll just basically say that <laughs> from here on out, it was just like a really, really intense crumbling. Um, but I had a group of women that I was, I would say I was closest to in the nonprofit that I really, really cared about. They all gathered together and got together and they wrote out this entire essay. I don't really know what to call it of how I was basically a fraud and how I was like the antichrist, <laughs> um, and how I was the worst. And it was super, super painful to realize that women that I had invested in for years and years and years had got together behind my back and wrote out all of my bad qualities and had made up their minds about me in this way that was like super, super painful. The most bizarre part about it was that I gaslighted myself that whole time because I like didn't allow myself to feel pain about it. And I was really, really Christian at the time. So I was very much like, this is part of my cross that I have to bear. And this is just what I, this is just what it means to follow Jesus. And people are going to hate you. And, and now I'm like looking at what they said and I'm like, yeah, they were probably right about everything. But, um, <laughs> at the time it was super, super painful. And I didn't acknowledge that. I didn't realize how much that actually really, really hurt me. Yeah. I mean, these were women that I invested in for years, like probably four years, I think at the time consistently every day for free <laughs> had invested in these women in these lives, their lives. And so it was super painful and really hard to hear like 
people that I thought loved me all of a sudden thought I was the devil. So it was very weird. And yeah. So, so anyways, on that experience, as I processed through it, I really like came with that filter, that subconscious religious filter of this is all for the glory of the gospel and, and for the cross. And I just suffer just like Jesus did. And I'm misunderstood and blah, blah, blah. And I ended up literally facilitating a conversation one-on-one with each one of those women and being like, I forgive you. And here's where I'm coming from. Where are you coming from? And now I look back and I just laugh. Cause I'm like the fact that I even tried to repair that is fascinating to me. Um, and it just kind of shows you the caliber of people that I was attracting. And then fast forward as the nonprofit, like began to crumble, uh, there were so many different relationships that were falling out. Um, some of them with people that were literally like so close to me, uh, more so than even the people that I served, but people that I had been in a relationship with years and years and years, people that were family. And as I started to deconstruct my religion, I mean, that just was like a whole other game of the sister wound, right? Like y'all, I'm a fucking witch. And I came from Christianity, evangelicalism to the max. So yeah, to say that I haven't experienced the pain and the backstabbing of the sister wound is an understatement. Uh, This last year I came, I went back to Ohio or maybe it was like, yeah, it was last summer. And I found out from two of my good friends that my board of directors from the nonprofit had basically told everyone that I was stealing money from the nonprofit. And that's how I, um, I mean, this is the way I understood it to be that that's how I was living like the wealthy lifestyle that I was living. Cause I stole a bunch of money, which is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Because when I worked at this nonprofit, I didn't make any money. We raised our support. We lived off of $600 a month. We lived in someone else's house at the time, but I'm so sure that I stole money. Like I literally donated all my time and I donated money. I literally donated part of that $600 to the nonprofit. Like I'm pretty sure I'm not the type of person that would steal that money. So I could go live my dream anyways it was the most shocking and bizarre thing to like kind of see that come full circle close of just how pathetic and petty people can be when we decide to move on when we decide to do something different when we decide to um shift and and for me because I was in such a religious space I basically just left everyone and everyone I mean a lot of people were really hurt and I get that but I had to for my own sanity. I mean, I literally was in a community where, you know, those people would literally, you could, I would try, I did try for a long time. I tried to keep those relationships and have these conversations, but I am such an authentic person that I can't, I cannot be fake. And so to try to sit with someone and tell them what I was actually going through and being like, Hey, did you know that this is not actually in the Bible and blah, blah, blah. And like, and it just was constantly like, but where are you at with Jesus? And like, do you still love God? And I'm like, sure, I guess, but like, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Right. So anyways, long story short, we went from having, I would say probably consistently like 50 to 60 core people in our life. Like that's a lot of people as an adult, I feel we had developed so many different communities, but they all were circled around religion. So when we left religion, it basically was like pulling out that like bottom domino and that everything just fell. Right. So we went from the space of having so many people in our lives that like we loved and thought really loved us and all of those things to then like, we pulled out that domino of like, actually we're not religious anymore. And poof, like they're all gone, which is 
partly me doing, like partly I was protecting myself. A huge part of me was protecting myself actually from backlash and pain, uh, from Christian people. I mean, if you're, if you are identifying as Christian and listening to this, like, I don't mean to group you into this, but the group of people that I came from is very much like, you must be like us and we're going to love you quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, but we actually need you to become like us. Um, and so we're going to be your friend or quote unquote minister to you so that you can be like us. And I know this cause I was one of them <laughs> when someone did what I did. I mean, I would spend hours praying for them and I would spend hours like pleading with the God that they would come back to the truth. And Um, I had the most awkward conversations. Like I couldn't even explain to you and probably shouldn't because what if those people are listening? Oh my God. I had the most awkward conversations with people that I've ever had in my life of like the, the awkwardness. If you've ever experienced your spiritual awakening, you know what I'm talking about when you're like in a different dimension and you're talking to people that are in a different dimension that you used to be in. And they're like, why aren't you in here? Like, why aren't you talking the same? And you're like, are you like, uh, like literally you're looking at them like what in the world? Like we are literally living on two different realities, right? Now I know that like very clearly I experienced that all the time, but I mean, back then I didn't. And so it was so bizarre when I would have these conversations and the things that people were programmed to say about religion and stuff were just so fascinating. I just couldn't even... I mean, they're fascinating now at the time I was like triggered as hell, but yeah, it's just super fascinating to me the way that like that whole pro the religious programming works. So anyways, so there's my sister wound, uh, there spread out on the table. And I mean, I have other stuff from childhood and I literally never had a sister. I only had brothers and grew up around all boys. So, and, uh, I guess, yeah, part of my sister wound too, is as I am neurodivergent and I masked my whole entire life and growing up, I would figure out how to be a popular girl. I usually had a friend who was like also neurodivergent. They probably don't know that about themselves, but I, I didn't know that at the time either, but I just now looking back, I'm like, oh my God, that's totally what it was. And they were an an incredible friend. And what would happen is I would pick the popular girl and I'd be like, who is the one on the top of the totem pole? Essentially, I'm going to become exactly like her. And I would just mask my way to being her best friend. And I would do it. I always was successful at it. And I would become like the popular girl and I would become that version of myself. So I masked a lot. So there's kind of all of the plethora of my sister wounding. (laughs) It's extensive and there's way more beyond that too. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot. And I would say though, like the biggest thing that happened was really with leaving religion, leaving the church and just the pain that I experienced and also the pain I repressed from, going septic, recovering by myself in a room and just realizing I had invested five years into people's lives that then would message me and tell me like, you're making this up. Or they would message me and, and say that I was a lying bitch or like, yeah, or they just were nowhere to be found. And I think a lot of me, I, I, I take personal responsibility for that. Like, I think I manifested those types of people into my life because I was trying to prove that subconscious point of like, like women are mean and women are going to stab you in the back and women aren't going to love you for you. And so that's what I actually want to bring to the table now in this discussion is (laughs) the self-responsibility aspect. So maybe as I was talking, maybe some parts of my story resonate with you and your sister wound. And I want you to really think about like, where has the woundedness been about around relationships with women? 
and like what parts are still stuffed in and what parts are still maybe raw and what parts are confusing. And as you think of that, right, I, I invite you in and it's okay if you're not ready to go into this, but I invite you in to consider how you attracting these type of people into your life was you manifesting a subconscious like program that says, these are the type of people that I'm worthy of having relationships with. And how does that protect you? Right? Like my whole story of all of these bizarre scenarios, like (laughs) to the point where I would literally just like laugh, like probably last year was really the final, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like finally people gave up on trying to save me, I guess I would say. Uh, and like, that was like the final straw of stuff, but it was like the most hilarious, bizarre stuff that I was like, there is no way that somebody would literally message me that like, what in the hell people are the, like the weirdest when they're triggered, people do the weirdest shit. So, um, I'm sure you know that, but right. Like my whole journey has been, how did I benefit from that being the type of women I attracted into my life? Well, I benefited by, I never actually had to trust people. I always had to be the person that was giving more than I was receiving. Cause that was the truth with pretty much all of my relationships was I was always giving, 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 like I'm your counselor and I'm receiving basically like emotional draining because I'm constantly counseling people for free. That's what I was doing in the past. How do you benefit from that? And what stories, right, from childhood is that solidifying is that's the way relationships are. That's the way women are. That's the way that things are always going to be. And, and I invite you in to take responsibility for that because ultimately until we take responsibility for that, we aren't ever going to change it. Like the patterning that says women are bitches, women are competitive, women are, are backstabbers, whatever it is that those stories Those are programs. They're literally programs like on a computer that lie within the subconscious. That's that's a filter that actually creates and manifests your reality right in front of you. So manifestation, you might not know this, like it's not something you do. It's something that's constantly happening. You're always manifesting a hundred percent of the time. Your reality that you see in front of you is a product of the programming in your subconscious mind, which is completely under your awareness, right? It's fully formed by the time you're eight years old. It houses all of these programs about how the world works. We all think that we're conscious and living our lives intentionally, but you're fucking not. 5% of your brain is being used or 5% of your day is created by consciousness, meaning like what you're aware of in 95, if not more percent of your day is created by your subconscious. So the programs that just keep repeating themselves. So if you actually want to heal the sister wound, first and foremost, you have to say like, I'm going to hold myself responsible, right? It's not everyone else's fault, right? In the story I just shared with you, like it doesn't really feel raw at all anymore. It's just kind of bizarre. Like I'm like, literally who was that person um, or those people in my life? But it's it's just like this reality that I have realized that I created those relationships. I decided this is the role that I play. I'm the martyr in the story. I decided that I attract people, like people can see me and, and be attracted to be friends with me who are dick bags, right? And I decided that I was gonna manifest people into my life that would stab me in the back. Why? Because how I benefited from that was I stay alone. I stay safe, right? 
for me growing up, my family, my, my home life was very volatile. So the safest place for me was being alone. This, this led into my attachment shit, um, of like more avoidant attachment in relationships. It led through the biggest, probably like humbling experience last year when I really realized I don't feel safe in my home ever. Like I've never felt what that felt like. And, and creating that safety has been one of the biggest growth edges for me and also blessings for me. It's literally been like the thing, but ultimately, right. Like I benefited by manifesting these people into my life that would stab me in the back, that it wouldn't be an equal relationship, blah, 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 because I stayed alone. Right. And if I stay alone, no one can see me. No one can see me. And if no one can see me, no one can reject me. And if no one can reject me, then I don't have to feel the pain that I felt in my childhood of being constantly rejected. Right. So I want you to take a moment. You can pause this. If you're driving, you don't have to do this right now, but take a moment and really think through like, why would you create these scenarios in your life? If that's too offensive for you and you're like triggered, it's not the time for you to, to heal the sister wound <laughs> because in order to heal it, you literally have to take responsibility for it and realize like you're creating these relationships. Why? How is this benefiting you? Right. It's keeping you safe. It's keeping you alone. It's keeping you what? So allow yourself to pause this and, and really go deep into that. So first and foremost, we begin to heal the sister wound by taking full radical responsibility for the scenarios we're creating in our life. And then, right, we take responsibility and then we ask how we're benefiting from that subconsciously. And if you have subconscious tools, you can go into clearing those limiting beliefs or tap, maybe use tapping or hypnosis and you can move through that. Or maybe honestly, if you don't have any of those tools and you don't know what I'm talking about, you can turn on some music and ask your body, where does this live in my body, right? Where does this pain of the sister wound live in my body? And as you put your hands on that, you can begin to move with the music. And as you move with the music, you, be, you can begin to allow those memories to surface and then ask your body, how do we release this? Maybe it's like you rage on a pillow. Maybe it's you like shake it out really hard. Maybe it's your like headbanging dancing. I don't know, but that's a really great way to figure out where, cause the body is your subconscious. So it's a great way to figure out where that trauma lives in your body and then release it through movement. Um, because trauma is stored in our fascia, one of the fastest, most effective ways to release trauma is to move. <laughs> it is to move. So once you feel like, okay, I, I definitely like see how I've created this because it, it, it reaffirms this childhood fear or limiting belief or core wound that I'm unworthy or I'm not lovable or I'm not enough or whatever, then, and, and figure out whatever the tools are that you use to move through that stuff. Then we naturally lean into, well, I want to create this intentionally, right? I want to create this intentionally. So, uh, for me recently, right. Fast forward lots of years, um, Brandon and I spent a lot of years. I mean, we traveled on the road for a year. We spent a year recovering in our house, like alone. And then we've lived in Sedona for a year. And, and so three years, we really haven't had community other than my community online. That's been such a shift for us because we obviously, I told you, we went from like having a, a million people 
in our lives to having none. <laughs> so it was so interesting. I mean, there's probably a million podcasts I could do about lessons we learned in that time. But recently we really like realized we're ready to let people in and we're ready to do this again. We're ready to try again. We're ready to um, build the community we actually want to be a part of, not the one we think we have to be a part of. So for us, that looks like multiple different things. But for me personally, it's really came in, in my business where I've, I've met such incredible women that have been so healing for me. And in the beginning of my business, I, I genuinely think I did keep more of a distance with clients because I was scared. I mean, you heard my story about how I served people for five years and then they were the biggest dicks and, um, and I was a dick too. So whatever, but, uh, right. Like you heard that. So it, it's been like a clearing for me and, and a healing for me just to work with women again. It was, it took a lot for me to do that. Like you might see me now and be like, she has a successful business must be easy. Like, no, no, hun. Like it was a huge thing for me to come back into a space of service with women and allowing myself to open up again. Um, I would definitely see, say that I speak to the caliber of woman that I want to be friends with when I market on social media, like I'm not marketing to everyone. You definitely can tell when you listen or watch my things or read what I post. Like I'm looking for people who not even looking, I'm just, I'm just attracting people who are in the same vibrational space as me. Uh, and I am a, uh, what is the word I want to use? Like I am a specific taste of human. <laughs> like I, I am not for everyone. And I know that. So, um, yeah, as you consciously heal the sister wound, right. You're healing the sister wound through doing the work of realizing like, why did I attract those scenarios? Like, why did I create those scenarios? What, what core wound is that really, um, solidifying by those relationships? Right. And then you move into, Really, honestly, the only way I believe you can heal the sister wound, which is allow yourself to try again. For me, that's looked like running a business again. For me, having really, really, really strong boundaries with my medicine, who I allow people to um, like be in my field. Like I don't coach for free in the DMs. I don't do discovery calls. Like there's a lot of stuff I don't do in my business intentionally because I protect my energy, like a hawk. I don't just become best friends with people and hope they'll buy from me. Like I don't become friends with anybody at all until they buy from me pretty much. There's a lot of things that I do differently. And that's just because my first time around in my nonprofit, I did everything for free and it was extremely, extremely draining. So karma has been one of my favorite things to play with of like, what am I consuming? What are they consuming? How am I contributing to their like overconsumption? All those things. Uh, but one of the biggest ways for me that genuinely has been a huge catalyst in healing the sister wound has been having sisters, women who are part of your soul tribe. You're never, ever going to attract those people that you're like, we are part of the same soul fragment. Like, I know that for a fact, like you could be a client or not a client. You could go here, you could go there, but I know we are part of the same soul fragment. Like I know it, we're the part of the same soul tribe, right? And that goes beyond like client coach relationship. It goes into this space of like, we were meant to do life together, whether that's online, whether that's a business partnership, whether that's a business idea, whether that's as a client and coach, whether that's like you move onto my land in a year, whatever that is, it's still what it is. <laughs> I never had that before. 
like genuinely, I pretty much feel like the majority of my relationships, my whole life were me pretending I'm not as conscious as I am, like, like trying to make it so that I could fit more into a human paradigm. I don't, I'm trying to look for the right words, but it's been more of like, how do I become less like me? Like how do I become less spiritual? How do I become less conscious? How do I become less aware and in tune and intuitive and psychic? And like now the women in my life that yes, so many of them are clients, but now the women in my life, like genuinely are doing the work. Like they're not just women that are like, Jenna, do the work for me. They're doing the work. Like they also are coaches and healers. They're constantly moving through shadows. They're constantly showing up for themselves. Like they take care of their bodies. They take care of their families. They don't live their lives like martyrs of like, Oh, the life is just happening to me. Like they show up for the fucking thing. Right. And, and that wasn't really what I had experienced before, at least not like in totality, most of what I had experienced was people's lives blowing up and me trying to like pick up pieces. And so now it's just so beautiful to, um, to be a part of relationships that I genuinely feel are healing for me as well. So I just hosted, well, technically it was the second retreat I was a part of, but the first one I got COVID and couldn't be there. I was super, super unwell, uh, for that retreat that we did in Sedona in November. Uh, but this retreat that I just did in May, so not that long ago, was so incredibly healing and nourishing for me. I had three women who have been with me in some form or capacity, really since the beginning of my business or right around there. And it was so nourishing for me to just spend time with them. Like we didn't have a giant agenda. It was more of just living life together and really was so inspiring to me as to where I'm moving in my business, where I'm moving like physically, like where we wanna be and what we wanna create and cultivate. And so I'm really in this space of just reflecting on that beauty, um, remembering that I love being with women in person. And I think that that's something that is important to heal the sister wound is like, yes, we all went through a pandemic. Yes, we all learned how to build businesses online. But a huge thing that I think is happening across the board is like those of us who went so full into that, building a business online, I mean, is we're realizing that we're like, yes, like I'm so grateful for that. But also I crave like human experience. The Instagram algorithm has fucked us up to the point of like, where we're just, most of us are done. Like we're like, just done, not with necessarily business or online business, but just the method and the way. And so for me, a lot has birthed from that. A lot of incredible conversations, a lot of business partnerships I see in the future, of how do we create something that's actually healing and nourishing online rather than destructive and gross. And then also this online or in-person aspect, sorry, I desire, and I know literally like 30 people I can name off the top of my hands that are the top of my head, that desire to have land and do life together. Like I desire to have physical land and have retreats on the land and work with other humans in person. Like the fact that I'm saying that, like, that's such a bizarre concept is kind of hilarious, but I desire to work with other people face-to-face and experience like real life community in person. So that's something that I'm cultivating right now. Um, I'm cultivating it through my growth edge with my clients where I'm starting to look at them less. Not that I ever was like, you are just paying me money, but less of like, you're my client 
and more of like, you're part of my soul fractal. And in the fear of doing that for most of us is if I do that, what if they leave, right? Like we don't do that because of that subconscious wounding of like, they're going to leave me. And I really realized like, they can't leave me. (laughs) They can't like, if we're all part of the same soul fractal, sure. Maybe they're not paying me right now, but like, they can't leave me. Like we're in the same space together, even if we're in different parts of it or different edges of it or whatever. And that's been such a growth edge for me, especially coming from the space I came from in religion of like, you have to be this way and this type of leader or else everyone's going to leave. And, and then vice versa of just being like, I would rather leave everybody than change and everyone have to see me change. And it's been really healing for me to go through this awakening. Like, I don't really know what to call it a social media awakening or something. It wasn't like my religious deconstruction, but more of like business and social media deconstruction that I'm still going through where I feel like I've been very public and I've, I've shared it with like all of my people and, um, it's been vulnerable and an edge for me where I'm like, Whoa, I could just leave. Like I could, I could just turn off my social media and dip the fuck out. Like I did when I left the church, but I'm not doing that. I'm like still here. I'm still present. I'm still on social media but I am asking and inviting those of the, those of you that are interested and feel drawn to it, to come in with me, to build something else. And not it's this place is like Jenna is the King, but more of like, we're all fucking Queens. Why are we doing it this way? Like, why are we building a hierarchy, each of us to ourselves? Like the man told us to, and why don't we use our innate feminine wisdom to build something together? And I think that that's happening for me, at least it's happening in an online space and in my business, but also in a tangible physical space where I'm just so over this bizarre model of like, everybody does life on their own and like our kids just so many of the things, so many of the things that'll have to be for another day. But, um, I think the root of most of our suffering is so much of it is like attachment to what we think it should be or should look at. Like, But also I think so much of it is because we don't allow, like we don't allow ourselves anymore to have space, to have real relationships because relationships can be painful and hard. And we live in such a society that's obsessed with quick fixes and fast food and jumping from thing to the the next thing. And one of the things that I'm really proud about in my business is like the majority of my clients stay with me for a really long time. And I think that that's so cool because most people I talk to, they're like, how do you keep all these clients? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess like I love them and I evolve and I allow my offerings and my spaces to evolve so that they can keep coming into them. Like, I don't just like solve one problem. Although I know businesses exist and need to exist like that. That's not me. So yeah, for me, the sister wound has been about healing those things and taking radical responsibility for everything I created and manifested, right? Like my nonprofit didn't fail really at all, but it didn't crumble or like the people didn't do those things to me because the world is out to get me. It happened because I created that on purpose, right? Like I created that on purpose so that I could create that whole victim narrative and be a victim of my circumstances to then see what I was doing and realizing like, oh, I'm just creating these circumstances so I can stay a victim instead of step into empowerment and be a co-creator with other people and a co-creator in relationship, in community, in business, in the online space. And 
So for me, right, that first part is taking radical response. And then the second part is to love again, right? Like you can't heal the sister wound without allowing yourself to have sisters. You can't heal that without intentionally putting yourselves in self in a discomfortable, uncomfortable space with other women. Like, of course, it's going to be uncomfortable for you, especially if you come from spaces like I came from it will feel scary for you to maybe buy into a group program or a mastermind or an in-person moon circle or like whatever. But ultimately, if that's what you desire to do to heal the sister wound, you have to allow yourself to have sisters. Um, For me, it's the most vulnerable thing for me to allow my clients to see me be human um, (laughs) and not know what I'm doing and for them to not just to see me, but then to, to also opt into the things I'm doing and like pay me is just so cr- such a crazy concept. And so like, fuck it to the man, I think, because that whole, the patriarchy was like, you have to be perfect and know exactly what you're doing before anyone can pay you. And I feel like every day I'm on that growth edge of like, actually being like, I don't really exactly know what I'm doing. I just know integrity wise what feels right for me, what feels good for me, isn't this, or is this whatever it is. And, um, I'm going to share my real process here, (laughs) not the sugar coated one, not the ones like, and also I'm an expert, but the one that's like, no, like I'm just trying stuff here. Y'all like it's working, but I'm just trying. And yeah. So I think I hope this is helpful for those of you listening who are like, I'm ready to heal the sister wound. It's not as hard as you're making it. It's not 300 subconscious processes. It's you looking at how do you benefit from not healing the sister wound, right? And how is that keeping you safe? And how is that keeping you comfortable? And how is that keeping you broken, miserable, broke, whatever, distraught? And taking responsibility for that and realizing like, oh, this is just confirming that childhood narrative of fill in the blank. And then that second part is like, And now where can I actually allow myself to actively heal that? Is it in a group with other women online? Is it a group with other women in person? Is it with that woman that keeps trying to be my friend? Is it by hiring a coach? Is it by coaching other people, right? Allow yourself to go to that growth edge and ride that growth edge because before you know it, you'll look back and you'll be like, whoa, I can't believe I allow myself to do that again. I genuinely didn't think I'd ever work with women again the way that I was burned and not just those scenarios I shared, like more than I want to share on here. I genuinely did not think that I would ever work with women again. And here I am. (laughs) So, you know, that didn't happen overnight. It was that 1% growth edge shift of like, I'm going to allow this to be safe. 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 And now I'm still doing that. It's just like in way bigger strides, I feel like than in the beginning. Um, but still equally as beautiful. So allow yourself to be where you are on the journey. And ultimately you can't heal the sister wound without being a sister. I love you all. I hope you enjoyed this uh, podcast and please subscribe. Please share with your friends on social media. Please uh, write in, let me know any other topics you'd like for me to discuss or share my story with, because that is my favorite thing to do to respond to those.